Welcome to The Table. I'm Jeff Harpole, your host. I'd like to start today by reading from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11. And this is verse 1, so I'll read it in its entirety, and then we'll discover our table conversation. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. I'd like to go back over that verse a little bit. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. So it came to pass after the year was over at the time when kings go forth to battle. So we're finding this out right now. Some people have not discovered this, but there is a time for war. And in fact, um, the war in Ukraine is coming to a small impasse because of the winter. And so... Uh, Russia is trying to wage as much um, ground forces, the ground game, as they can before winter sets in. And it, this has been going on for many, many years. World War II uh, in Europe, we discovered that that it was a very difficult time during winter, the winter season. So it's it's likely that when Second Samuel chapter eleven verse one was written that it's indicating that there was a time or a season for battle. And you have to remember when there's a battle, um, there's a lot of reinforcements, food and artillery and whatever the means of transportation might be. Now, David was a man of war. And in fact, when it came time to build the temple, the Lord prohibited him from building the temple because he was a man of war. He had blood on his hands, and God would not allow that. So even though David had a heart to build the temple, he had the architectural plans, and he had gathered gold and and silver and, and silk and uh, conscripted the men and cedars from, from Lebanon. He was not able because he had been um, a warrior king. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we find a phenomenon, and it was a dangerous moment. The last line was um, the hinge of the kingdom. Can you imagine? David did not go uh, to, to battle, but he tarried still, or he stayed in Jerusalem. Today, I'm, I'm talking to uh, the worship leader of New Life Fellowship, Grant Doherty, and Grant's been the lead worship leader for the church for, I don't know, how many years, Grant, have you led it? Um, it's, it's been a little while now, seven, eight years maybe. I thought it was a little longer than that. But, mm -hmm. but um, so we're talking about uh, our place and, and the pros and cons of, of having a function in the church, especially in worship leading. Mm. And... You know, my day has come and gone. I like to sing with you sometimes, but but I don't hit all those high notes like you do. So, <laughs> so but uh, I, I want to relay a couple stories. And 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 I, I had a cousin mm -hmm. who was a really good musician. In fact, but he was he was better at sound and media. And he was at a church, and he 
he was in the sound booth. But back in those days, the sound booth was kind of far off, up in the loft, and had a little window. And he literally spiritually died in that sound booth. He, did, he never went to the altar. Mm-hmm. He performed a function, but he lost touch with the reason for his job. I had a real good friend who played the drums. He was really a good drummer. But in a very spiritual sense, he died uh, playing the drums, of course, and, and, and not literally, I suppose, in, in physical death, but in a very literal spiritual sense, never went to the altar and knew the songs well. Um, but he tarried like David. He tarried still. He, uh, I, I don't think David lost his position, but he, he certainly lost his purpose. Mm. So, you know, and I've watched you lead in worship, and I know that invariably not every Sunday ha- has gone smooth for you, you know. Sure. But still, there's a function there. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose that there are people who go through their function, their ministry, but they do not, uh, they don't always feel um, connected to what they're doing. Right. If that makes sense. It does. And, and so, so Grant, you're leading in worship. And so we don't want to die in our place. Right. Um, I remember, and I won't name him, but he was a very profound worship leader, music director, songwriter, uh, in the apostolic movement years ago. And he confessed that he had, hadn't felt the anointing in a long time, but he knew how to move the crowd. Right. Ooh, that's dangerous. Mm. So talent can also, um, I mean, it, it helps us, but it can be, people can confuse anointing with talent. Really, it's not anointing. So as you're leading, I suppose the question is, how do we keep from dying in our place? Or how do we keep from just going through the, the motions um, and guard ourselves from, from allowing the talent to supersede the anointing. And, you know, David had a, had a, he died basically in a way. I mean, that was the downfall of him. If you're tracking back to David, when he did not fulfill his purpose, his God-given role, that was the day that he walked out from his palace and overlooked the city and saw a beautiful woman. And uh, he, he ended up having an affair with her. A baby was born the kingdom was fractured and a prophet came to call. And so I look at that and, and I see uh, profound musicians and singers and it concerns me because even today they've learned how to go through the motions, you know, the swaying, the movement, either front or back, how to move with the hands and, you know, what to do on the platform. It's almost like a little subculture. I don't know how everybody learned that, but We've learned particular ways to perform. Now, some of it's worship, yes, and some of it's style, but I'm I get concerned that keyboard players, organ players, drummers, guitar players, they can go through the motion and never feel connected to the one they're singing to or they're playing for. Sure. And the same thing with with singers. But I think it's even more more um, uh, probably troubling or difficult for the lead singer because you are leading in worship. You don't get to hide behind a set of drums 
or a keyboard, I mean, your expressions, your body, your your face, your your emotions, your voice, it's all out there. And I don't think people are critiquing you at all. In fact, I think at New Life, you're leading, you're really leading the church in worship. They're they're following you. But how do you keep from from going through the motions of that and 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 it, I hope I'm saying this correctly. Sure. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about about what you do to to uh, prepare yourself. I suppose. Absolutely. Uh, to to answer the question in its totality would be, and you spoke to it briefly. You mentioned it a few times. It would be purpose. It would be understanding that there's a target, and it's uh, my responsibility along with the team very team oriented of course to to hit that target and so i believe there are a lot of times speaking only of course of my my own experiences but there's a lot of times that if you aren't careful you can miss the target you can begin to to lean on your own understanding so to speak sure. and so in that it's it's understanding the culture and the target of for me would be new life fellowship and the, the number one goal and target is to create a place for the Lord to inhabit because we're a word church. Mm-hmm. We're a word first church. Yeah. And so it's, it's important. And I would, I would go as far to say is it's pivotal. It's vital to receive the word, the preached word, mm-hmm. the taught word, the spoken word from yourself, of course, and whatever other men and women grace the pulpit here at new life fellowship. So, the understanding and the target, the purpose is to create a place for the Lord to inhabit because we know that when the Spirit of the Lord shows up, He brings every attribute that He is. Mm-hmm. And the Lord can do a work long before you or whomever specifically opens their mouth. Mm-hmm. But at what, the same, sir. What, what, so what keeps you from going through that, that function? Because mm-hmm. you know the song. Sure. Uh, it's let, let's, let's go to a, one of those dry moment, you know, the start, right. It's a Sunday morning, right. Uh, it, it's raining outside or it's cold or, or it's hot summer or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. people are coming back from vacation or, you know, maybe it's a long weekend, right. Maybe it's a holiday weekend like Labor Day or Memorial Day, you know, and right. Two thirds of the crowd is there and you're looking out and you're, not everybody even really wants to be there, you know, <laughs> right. A lot of folks have already had arguments with their spouses before church, and um, so you're. How, how do you keep yourself from from just performing uh, and and uh, and not leading? How, how do you keep yourself from from the performance aspect? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's a great question. It's it's it's. I don't want to say it's simplistic, but in nature, it is very simplistic. It's, 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 I was told a very long time ago and understanding and helping to understand the culture and and the direction of New Life Fellowship would be to watch you and to watch certain leaders here at New Life. And so for me, it's, it it has to start, it it starts long before Sunday morning ever gets there. Okay. It's Monday morning. Yep. It's Monday morning at 6.30 a.m. When my alarm goes off at six fifteen, and I prepare myself and put myself in a position every single day, all right, to get in the Word, mm-hmm. yes, and and to pray before I look at my phone. Yeah, uh, my my wife and I have uh, we've elected to go. We've we've gone a little old school. We have digital alarm clocks just because 
notifications and different things that come up on your phone when you turn your alarm off on your phone. It's so come easy on. to yeah. to gravitate towards yeah. whatever it is that's going on in in your work life or, or whatever it is you want to call it. And so it's 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 staying grounded and humbled every single day. Yeah. And so understanding that it's 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 the responsibility of of understanding who God is. Mm-hmm. And so in that in that relationship with the Lord, it's it's worship isn't certainly the byproduct of it, but when you understand what worship is and that you have the opportunity to minister, the okay. Bible says to minister unto the Lord, it's it's something that only human beings have the ability to do. Beautiful. Every other creature on the planet has no choice. Just their mere existence is worshiping the Lord. They're doing exactly what God has called them to do every single day. But you and I, humans, of course, the Lord gave us a choice. He yep. gave us free will to be able to choose. And so you can go into even defining what true love would look like. Yes. When, when, you, when you start to break that down, the molecular structure of what that would look like and, and the ability to minister to the Lord. And we could even go back to whenever Lucifer was cast out of heaven. I believe it's one of the reasons why God is, is so hungry for his people to worship him. He's looking for a nation. He's looking for a church. Mm-hmm. And so when you make that cognitive decision, it, it, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's almost become simplistic because sure. of the the role, the ability that God has given us to arrest His attention. All right. And so, to answer your question specifically, it would be it, it starts long before Sunday, long before Sunday, and it it goes far beyond even having a life of prayer or being in the Word every single day, but also it's sharpening yourself, making sure that you're being held accountable. You have people in your life that can tell you no. Okay. Uh, but but even a just a, a shameless plug here. It's also knowing the the heart and the mindset of your pastor, okay. of your leader. Sure. From from blogs that you write to making sure that you pick up a bulletin, even if it's specifically to read what it is that you're writing to the church every week. Yeah. You know, sometimes we can get so caught up in having quote unquote good church. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure people may define that in many different ways, but in all actuality. Good church is to make sure that that we hear from the man or the woman of God, and that's that's where that's where song, that's where music started. And I know you've spoken to that before, but it's preparing the hearts and lives of people to receive the preached word, to receive the. I, I love I love what you're saying because I I think you know we learned that years ago. Even preaching is not a 45 minute performance or a 40 minute performance. It's an overspill of the way of life. So I appreciate that about you and about what we're doing in our in our music ministry. If it started on Sunday, we're in big trouble. Right. Um, it's basically just a continuation of how we're living. And if it's not that, then it is basically a performance-driven um, program. And we've seen that before. We've, we've seen performance-driven programs, and people get in big trouble with that. So to keep ourselves from going through function, Mm -hmm. you know, I think this is also true for the church too. So when David writes, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts of praise, be thankful and bless his name. Well, there's a big problem there when people don't have their house in order, they're scattered and harried and they come in to the church depleted. I remember, I don't know if, this was true in your day, but when I was growing up, I remember people likening Sunday and church to a gasoline station where you get filled up. Right. Uh, wow, what a horrible example. Sure. Um, so they didn't come in with Thanksgiving or praise. Mm-hmm. They came in 
you know, dragon, you know, and I've often said Sunday should not be the last day of a long weekend. Right. It should be the first day of the new week. In fact, that's what it is, but that's not how we treat it because we expend all of our energy on Friday and Saturday, and then we're, we're wiped out for Sunday. Well, people die in their place. And the reason why they die in their place is because that is a, that is a function or a performance. And that's not, as you're describing it to me, mm-hmm. that is not what they're, uh, that's not what we're doing, but, but that's how they live. They're, they're, they're living a different way on Monday and Tuesday. And then they kind of gear up Saturday night or go to the practice. They know what they're supposed to be doing. And on Sunday, they put on this facade. Right. You know, I, I know a lot of people who preach against Halloween. But man, they wear a lot of masks. You know, they got a costume on all the time. And, and I'm not a proponent of Halloween either. I think it's a pagan thing. But, but, I, but I will say, you know, all those people that are so... Um, uh, they're so adamant against, you know, wearing mm-hmm. something on your face to to uh, change the way you look. Well, that's what's happening when we don't have a continuation of life. And people get behind a keyboard or drums or guitar or in a microphone and they're singing, but they're, but that's not who they've been. Right. Not just for a week. Right. But as you're saying for life. I. I will commend you on on using a digital clock too, by the way, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, you know we 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 are our society. We are so messed up. Right. Everybody has to check their phones all the time, and that's right. And 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 we're so computer driven. But so when you're leading worship, and and you're in the vein, you've got to, and you do this, and I and I've said this many times behind your back. I'll say it to you, face. You do it so so wonderfully you're you're moving in the spirit you're managing several things so i'm watching you manage now uh man a plethora of different things um you're you're managing the time the moving of the spirit the people you got to have a pulse for things how how are you when, when you're there in that moment you know uh, how do you know when to because we're not just talking to you and me. We're talking to other, there's right. other pastors and worship leaders. They need to hear this because a pastor needs to, needs to trust his, his worship leader. He really has to trust him. And I trust you explicitly. We work together probably as much as, as I work with Zach, our keyboard, our, our music director. But really the three of us are working in sync. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a need to take a microphone because I'm trusting that you're leading not just songs, but there's time for exhortation or pause or, or, you know, maybe we're going to change the song or what, what time. So, you know, I know it's maybe difficult to answer that, you know, like right here on the spot because it comes, it's become, it's become who you are, Mm -hmm. but talk about that management of the worship to stay in the vein and not, and let it, and so it's not stoic or you're not doing it by some robotic function. Right. You know? It's it's really following after the spirit, and then managing all the other dynamics of the church. Sure, absolutely. And it, it, a lot of times it comes from a place of of 
of uh, portraying my own many testimonies, things that the Lord is, is, has done for me. And so I, I believe that, in my personal opinion, oftentimes the greatest worship leaders, whomever they may be, are, are, are people who can convey what God has done or is doing through song, through singing. But even more so than that, when it comes to the balancing and, and managing different things at, at the same time or independently one after another, it's, it's again, what's always in the back of my mind is, is what's taking place going to complement the preached word. Okay. It's never, I've had, I've had to learn over the, the past few years specifically, sometimes less is best. Okay. Sometimes less is best because what, what I've learned and it's, it's, it's naturally happened is even though the Lord may be speaking to me or he has spoken to me, maybe he's given me a verse or a portion of scripture or he's, he's spoken something into my life. Not everything that's, that's coming to me is meant to be shared with everyone. And case in point would be, it's, it's not, we're definitely a church that exhorts and I'm, I love, I love, I love being able to do that. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that transpires in our congregation on a weekly basis. But also at the same time, because everything we do, every our target and our purpose is to prepare for the preached word. Hey, describe what sneak a preach is. Sneak absolutely. A, sneak a preach. That yeah. that's that that I don't know how old that phrase is, <laughs> yeah. but it's not that old. Right. It's sneak it's, a preach. I don't know how old it is either, but sneak a preach is. Um, what does that mean? In all actual, my opinion is it, it it comes from a lot of insecurity. Yeah, but what is it? It's what? it's somebody who it's someone who wants to take any pause opportunity or rise in the moment to be able to exhort in some way that's could be from God, could be from pizza, <laughs> could be from from whatever they ate the night before. Yeah. So it, it, you, in that you have to be very careful. And the point that I would make there on the sneak approach is, I've I've caught myself or what's transpired is. I may share something with the congregation. Maybe I share a verse or a scripture, and it's beautiful because it's from the Word of God. But then my pastor or a preacher, evangelist, missionary, whomever may get up, and the connotation or the way that the Lord is communicating with them, they could quote the same verse and have a completely different sure. understanding of it in that moment. And so in all actuality, what can transpire and can happen is you're taking away from what God is truly <laughs> wanting to speak to the people, especially when that Word is coming from the shepherd. Okay. Uh, you know, it's 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 your mantle, and so understanding that I don't ever want to do anything, and I want to make sure that our team never does anything to to contradict what the Lord has given you. So it's all about it's all about confirmation and affirmation to make sure that if we're going to go in, if we're gonna if we're gonna have a time of worship on a Sunday morning or, or, or Sunday evening, whenever that may transpire, then then we'll do that. But it's going to be because what the Lord has given you or whomever else it may be has already been yes. established. Yes. There's, there's, there's room for that there. But back to the Word, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what the minstrels were for. It was to make sure that the hearts and lives of people were as ready as possible to receive the Word. It's what right. David did for King Saul. It's what the prophets had David or whomever else come and do to play, to get people to a place where the preached Word could now be planted in fertile soil. And yes, so right. whether it's the tilling, worship, praise, whatever the case may be, it's to make room for the preached word. And and sometimes the Lord will do exactly what he wants to do through music and through song, and we have that here too. Sure, right. But but the one of the greatest things that or one of the worst things rather that we could ever do is to to bypass the preached word. All right. You know, the 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 music of the church and and, and I do believe that it has music and melody, it has a, a root um, 
in the heavenlies. I think we've, we've discovered through the word Lucifer's position mm. and when he walked and the harmony, the chords, the, the way that God created him. And there's been a whole lot of jokes, you know, about he landed in the, when he was kicked out, he landed in the, in the choir loft or whatever. Sure. But we know that's not true. He, we know he landed in the sound booth. That sound booth. That's okay. Exactly I'm sorry. Right. That's yeah. a bad thing. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, the, but there is something about music, the power of music. Um, the Bible describes him as the prince of the power of the air. I think there is a, uh, there's a battle, even in the world at large, um, all different types of music. It, it has the greatest bearing on the emotion of, of an individual. Right. Where, you know, every political season, you'll, you'll hear a commercial on the radio and, and, and someone will be talking about their opponent. And, you know, it, it's a, it, the music is real dark. Or, um, or if you want, I remember listening to, this is old, so I'm 55 and we never had a television growing up. We, mm-hmm. we listened to the radio. It was, it was uh, we, my brother and I listened to Sears Theater. Um, and it was KMOX in St. Louis, Missouri. And, we, and you know, the, 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 um, the mystery uh, radio station uh, or the show that was on, it had the music was attached to that. You know, if you take the music out, the voices and the scene become altogether different. So music has a power in the emotion. Right. You know, our churches, our style of worship, the bookends are, is music and worship leading. And it's a comfort to every pastor and preacher to have someone like you that will, that will prepare the hearts of the people emotionally and then be sensitive enough to close it out so that there's another emotional draw. Mm-hmm. And so that therein lies the danger. Don't you know that the devil would love to destroy every worship leader, every musician, every guitar player and bass player and organ player and keyboard player and drummer. And man, there's such a fight um, to keep our musicians centered and stable. And I think that people die in their place Mm -hmm. because they're talented, but they're not anointed. They're not, they don't pray throughout the week or they have a, a meeting, a prayer meeting before they get up to perform. But when they're done, they have left the they've left that part and they're still they're not living in their purpose or their calling. Right. You know, one of the things that I think that we have to recover in our movement is we have to recover a sincerity uh, in song. It's not so much the genre, uh, the beat, the style. Those things are cultural. Those are not that's not more spiritual if you're Southern gospel or if you're black gospel or if you're contemporary, you're not better or you're not worse. It, it, that, that is a preference. That's a style of food. You know, it's not a, it's not one is not heavenly music and you know, it's not that, but really there has to be a sincerity in the praise. And I think that we all have to get back to worshiping the Lord in song. Now, I do know that there are some songs that don't glorify God. In fact, they talk about the individual instead of, they're not vertical, they're horizontal. Mm-hmm. And we want to have horizontal, uh, I'm sorry, vertical songs where we're singing praises to God. 
But at the same time, I think that it can't just be the style of song or the lyric. It has to come from the heart. And if David could soothe the spirits that even God had sent to torment Saul, right. that's how powerful anointed music can be. But it also means that there's a great danger, and the danger comes from the spiritual battle that afflicts all of our music departments, and we have to have a walk with God. I think what you said tonight, just as we're talking through the Word, the preached Word, and and both magnifying God and preparing the hearts of the people, those things uh, really attend to the purpose of our worship. So I appreciate that about you, and for those of you that are listening here, I, I want you to, if you're not a musician, pray for your musicians and your worship leaders. Ask the Lord to anoint them and then put a hedge of protection around their hearts. And then if you are in the music department anywhere, um, try to make sure that you are part of a team and you're not a prima donna. It doesn't rise and fall with you. This is not a talent show. It's not to showcase how good you are. It's really to showcase how good God is. Right. You know, we, we talk about this and about even how we dress on the platform, not to draw a bunch of attention to ourselves. Right. I've said this before. I'll, I'll say this again here. I don't know. It's probably a little offensive, but one day I was looking up at the platform and all the singers, the men had like black suits on, you know, all the, there was, I don't know, three, three guys you were at, you had a dark suit on the other two guys had dark, but all the women had animal prints and, and they, no, no one coordinated and they all had different animal prints on. Like there was a zebra. Somebody had like a cheetah right. print dress on. Yeah. There was a tiger print. I think there was a wildebeest up there. Yeah. Peter you know? Sunday. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like the national geographic. That's right. Um, but when we talk about drawing attention to ourselves, we can do that a v- variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Movement, the overabundance of movement, you know, uh, or clothes. And then, of course, for singers, you know, the vocal tricks, um, not singing in unison, not really leading, but showcasing ourselves. Right. And I think even there we can die in our place because we're not alive in the spirit. We're alive to the flesh. So I believe when we follow this example and realize we have a purpose. David had a purpose. Um, and when he did not fulfill his purpose, that's when he fell, and that's when the kingdom suffered. And we cannot afford to have the kingdom suffer because of us. We're in a real, uh, all of those who are musicians and singers, songwriters, we're in a very precarious place, and we have to recognize our calling, our gifting, our talents, and what we're here to do. And we're here to worship, to lead in worship, to magnify God. And, and as you so aptly put, Grant, to, to make sure our hearts are right, ready for the planted seed of the Word of God. I'm so glad that you came today, and I'm, I'm so happy that you came to the table. And I pray that the Lord will, will bless all of our lives and, and all of our worship and music will be to glorify God. Yes. Thanks for coming to the table, and there's so much more to come.